of the year for the Romans. The beginning of spring was the time when everyone would go out and start fighting. 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 So the month was named after Mars, the fictitious Roman god of war. It's a planet that struck fear in the hearts of men. We're going there today on Weather Chat. And welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, and a whole lot more. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Mornier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. And today, it's Science Wednesday, March 2nd, first Wednesday in the month of March 20. 22. As we mentioned, we're going to continue our search into our own solar system, our study at many of the objects that are in our own astronomical backyard, and find out some of the quirky oddities of each individual location and or object inside our own solar system. That's coming up in just a little bit. Oh, by the way, the music that you heard in the stinger just before the music opened just moments ago actually comes from a seven-movement orchestral suite by the English composer Gustav Holst, written between 1914 and 1917. It's called The Planets, Opus 32, and it focuses, at least in this particular instance, obviously, on the planet Mars. You see, each movement of the suite is named after a planet of the solar system in its supposed astrological character. Well, we are in the month of March, so it's time to look behind us now at meteorological winter, which we have essentially closed the chapter on. Now, I know there are some of you that like to think of spring as astronomical spring, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're talking to a meteorologist, we just like to keep things nice and tidy for bookkeeping purposes. We keep it in the three months of December, January, and February. That is winter. And of course, we just entered meteorological springtime. So as we look back, it was on paper, at least here in the Ohio Valley, believe it or not, a near normal winter. But, as one of my meteorology professors at Linden State College once said, his name was Colonel Woodhall, and he said, Hey, listen, students, normal is simply the average of the extremes. In other words, there are very few days in the calendar in which you will find a completely normal day. It's a little unusual. It's either below or above in some way or respect. Well, this winter certainly is characterized by that very quote because we started the month of December and finished the month of December very warm, six degrees above normal at Hopkins Airport. Along with that, 
a very snowless one. It was the second least snowy in history with only two-tenths of an inch of snow for the entire month. That's a little unusual in a month that we normally see about a foot of snow on average. Fast forward to January, and that's the month that we were very hard hit. We saw a complete reversal of everything. The temperatures were about six degrees below normal. Remember, plus or minus two is considered near normal. So we're three deviations above that and three deviations below that from December to January. Additionally, we picked up a lot of snow, much more so than normal. And so the two months almost cancel each other out. What about February? Near normal. Just a little bit colder than normal, 0.9 degrees below normal. That's within the plus or minus two bounds. So really, we consider it a near normal month. And we did pick up three to four inches more than usual in the amount of snow that we see. As we go forward, oh, don't put away the snow shovels just yet. Now, yes, we're going to see some breaks. We always do even in the northern states. However... At least here in Cleveland, we still have the potential to see some snow. The average is 10 inches for the month. And in April, we do see two or three inches that usually falls. And yes, we have seen snow in May as well. Now, not the kind that we have to break out a shovel in most cases. But uh, suffice to say, we do see those cold periods even into the springtime months. However, obviously, we're going to start seeing some toasty air and we're going to see it come in a little more frequently. And the first batch, at least for this month, will be this weekend. Highs in the 50s on Saturday, 60s. Yup, 60s on Sunday. We have to pay the price with a little rain here in the Ohio Valley. Well, when we come back from a break, we're going to dig into the planet Mars. It's an interesting object. This one on the outside of our orbit. We'll talk a lot more about the red planet coming up right after this. Oh, yes, I remember this that. Uh, indicates that I've been around on this earth for a little while. That is from my favorite Martian, a television sitcom that was very popular back in the mid-1960s. I remember this as a very young boy, but I also remember the reruns that began to occur shortly thereafter as I pushed past 10, 11, 12 years old. Well, today we're talking about the planet Mars. Mars is the planet, the first planet outside of the Earth's orbit. Mars is the fourth planet from the sun and the second smallest planet in the solar system. That's a bit of a surprise. I bet you a lot of people did not know that. And it's only dwarfed by the very, very small planet Mercury. It's often referred to as the red planet, and the reason for that is because the soil there is iron oxide rich, and it gives it a striking reddish appearance in the sky. Now, Mars is a terrestrial planet with an extremely thin atmosphere. 
And we'll talk more about the atmosphere coming up in just a little bit. Now, the days and the seasons are actually comparable to those of Earth. They are the most similar, really. The rotational period as well as the tilt and the rotational axis relative to the ecliptic, extremely similar. Now, here's an interesting feature about the planet Mars. There is a, an old extinct volcano that is named Olympus Mons, and it's the largest volcano and the highest known mountain on any planet in the solar system. Olympus Mons is roughly three times the height of Mount Everest, which in comparison stands to just over 8.8 kilometers or 5.5 miles. Wow. Now, one may think that the visitation of Mars with a lot of our most recent rovers and probes is a relatively recent thing, but that's not the case. Mariner 4 was the first spacecraft to visit Mars. That was launched way back on the 28th of November, just after Thanksgiving, in 1964. And it made its closest approach to the planet on the 15th of July, the following summer, in 1965. Since then, obviously, we've gotten a little more technically advanced and sent better probes to the red planet along with some rovers that have landed a number of them are roving the planet right now sending pictures of what the martian surface looks like today by the way liquid water has never been found on the surface of mars at least at least in the temperate zones and that's because of the extremely low atmospheric pressure However, Mars does have two polar ice caps, North and South Pole, and those appear to be made largely of regular water and carbon dioxide, frozen carbon dioxide, and something that we would call dry ice. Now, Mars can be a very, very bright object in our sky. It depends upon just exactly where our two orbits are in relation to each other, but its apparent magnitude at its brightest can be almost minus three. And that is only surpassed by the planet Venus when it gets brighter. If you remember the last week we talked about Venus, Venus can actually cast shadows or the light, the reflection from Venus can cast shadows under the right circumstances. So the reflected light from Mars can actually get that close. It is surpassed only in brightness as mentioned by Venus then the moon, and then, obviously, the sun. Now let's return to the polar ice caps that are very visible during the wintertime months of Mars. Of course, they grow in the wintertime months. We'll talk more about the temperature spread seasonally on the red planet in just a second. But believe it or not, the volume of water ice in the south polar ice cap, if it completely melted, would actually be enough to cover the entire surface of the planet to a depth of about 36 feet. That's a lot of regular water, but you have to remember also that a big chunk of what we're looking at in the Martian polar ice caps would be dry ice or frozen carbon dioxide, which during the summer months in each of the hemispheres would sublimate directly back into the atmosphere. 
Well, let's talk about the atmosphere. It's extremely thin. It's only about 1% or 2% of how dense it is here on the surface of Earth. However, however, its composition has been studied, and it consists of about 96% carbon dioxide. That makes a lot of sense based on what the, the polar ice caps are made of, not only water, but also frozen carbon dioxide or dry ice. So 96% carbon dioxide, about 2% argon, and also about 2% nitrogen, along with some traces of oxygen and water, but in such small amounts that in that very thin Martian atmosphere would really not be very, very helpful at all. The atmosphere, by the way, is somewhat dusty only because it it contains a lot of particulates moving about that give the Martian sky a tawny color when seen from the surface. We have many pictures that show that from the rovers. And it also takes on a pink hue from the iron oxide particles that are suspended in it, at least periodically. Now, as thin as the Martian atmosphere is, it can actually lift up dust into the atmosphere. We just mentioned that. Now, Mars, believe it or not, has some of the largest dust storms in the solar system, reaching speeds on the ground of about 100 miles per hour. And they can vary in size from a storm in a very small part of the globe to gigantic storms that actually cover the entire planet. And when that happens, a lot of the Martian features get hazed over so they're a little more difficult to discern whether it's from an orbiter or some of our very powerful telescopes here on earth well let's talk about the temperature on mars it is fairly close to what we see here on earth a few more extremes because the atmosphere is really so thin that uh, it can't hold on to the heat from the sun quite as much so the temperatures at night will range down to about 225 degrees below zero fahrenheit however in equatorial summer some of the equatorial temperatures on the surface of mars can push upwards of 95 degrees fahrenheit that's pretty comparable but again the atmosphere is extremely thin one or two percent of what the earth has and so um, really the atmosphere is certainly not very conducive to life on Mars, at least as we know it. Just a couple more things to wrap up on the planet Mars. And, you know, we could go on and on about a lot of these planets with a lot of the minutiae and a lot of the very strange oddities of each one. But I'm trying to cover more of a broad brush image of every planet so that you can get a flavor of what we might find there. Now, Mars has two moons, and the two moons are extremely small. One is called Phobos. It's only 22 kilometers in diameter. And the other one is Deimos, and that one's only 12 kilometers in diameter. And they weren't discovered for quite some time. In fact, for the longest time, it was thought that Mars had no moons. One of them is nearly invisible because it has an albedo, a reflectivity of nearly zero. In other words, it's very, very dark. It doesn't reflect very much of the sun's energy or light. 
But both satellites were discovered in 1877 by an astronomer whose name is Asaph Hall. Now, for millennia, the red planet had always been observed and cataloged in various ways and people trying to figure out what exactly it was. But it wasn't until 1610 that it was actually observed through a telescope. You probably already know who I'm going to point to as the first person who ever saw the planet Mars from a telescope. 1610? Yep, that should immediately pull to mind Galileo Galilei. And we'll wrap up with a couple more interesting things about the planet Mars. Mars is about half the diameter of Earth, and it's also less dense than Earth, having about 15% of the Earth's volume and 11% of the Earth's mass. And that results in 38% of the Earth's surface gravity. So if you want to weigh less, at least on a regular bathroom scale, you might want to move to Mars because you'll weigh a whole lot less. And we will wrap up with this one more bit of interesting trivia about the Martian surface and about Mars in general. It is actually seismically active. With InSight, one of the rovers recording, get this, 450, well, they're not earthquakes. Let's call them what they are. They're Mars quakes, all in one year, the year 20. 19. Needless to say, with that kind of seismic activity on the planet Mars, the planet does appear to have a molten core that is moving around. Doesn't have much of a magnetosphere, but it does have that molten core. Well, that will wrap things up looking at the planet Mars. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll continue our look at the solar system as we head into future science wednesday episode please let someone know about this podcast especially if they're interested in astronomy we'll be doing this through many of the wednesdays until we exhaust all of the possibilities looking at many of the objects in our own solar system in our own astronomical backyard well do you have a question or a topic suggestion i welcome your input you can reach me weatherjazz at yahoo.com and also via voicemail at the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line 234-525-5888. All of that information is available on the contacts tab at the top of weatherjazz.com, the website. And yes, I do read and listen to every single message that comes in on both of those platforms. It is getting to the point, however, that I cannot respond individually to every single one since the volume is really beginning to pick up and weather jazz is becoming very popular. But do know that I do read and listen to every single message that comes to me personally. Recently, I've had a lot of great ideas, and so I'm trying to follow up on some of them and create some more great content right here on Weather Jazz. So what's coming up on Open Line Friday, which is right around the corner? I've got a very special guest that will be joining me. His name is Paul Peoric. Those of you that live in the Long Island area and Southern Connecticut know that name very, very well. He is an Emmy-winning meteorologist from News 12. 
Now, he is not doing that right now. He recently made a career shift. And those of you, perhaps, who wondered where Paul disappeared to after he left News 12, you'll definitely be wanting to tune into Weather Jazz on Open Line Friday. We will catch you in a couple of days. Have a great rest of your week. Weather and science across the globe. Weather Jazz Podcast.